Listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I am the host of this program. A few years ago during Bible study, I remember discussing with the other members about things that made us afraid and things that worry us the most. People began to share about their personal worries, and there was one particular person who especially caught my attention. She said something that was very surprising to me. She began to speak about how she unexpectedly earned a great amount of money and how that was her greatest worry. After hearing this person's confession, I personally thought it was a bit odd. Just because I personally thought if you earn a lot of money, it would make you more excited than anything. But this woman's expression was more serious than could ever be. Her biggest question in this situation was, why would God allow me to have this much money? How does God want me to spend this money? She prayed and thought deeply about this concern. I remember being quite shocked after hearing this confession of hers. And that is because I've never had this thought, ever, in my life. As I made and earned money up until this point, My only thought was, thank you, God, and either spent it in things I wanted to purchase or do. Until I heard the confession of this woman, this was the first moment I realized I had never even thought about asking God how my money should be spent. What about our listeners? Just like the women in my Bible study class, have we ever asked God how our money should be spent? I want to take today's broadcast to think about what meaning money holds to us Christians. We'll come back to share more after our first song.
Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that man cannot serve two masters and that we cannot serve both God and money. Scripture says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It sounds a bit abstract when it says we cannot serve two masters. But if we read this verse in the original language, it will be clearer. To serve in the original language is duleo, which is derived from doulos. The term doulos itself has a meaning of slavery within it. In other words, to serve also means to become a slave. To make this make better sense, the meaning of no one can serve two masters in the original meaning can be understood as a person can be a slave to only one master. We can either become a slave to money or a slave to God. So I'll repeat, we can either serve money or God, but cannot serve both and will have to select between the two. I would think that most people would rather have more money than less and would rather be rich than poor. But before we even had any money, Jesus told us one thing and said it very clearly to us. 
he asked us who our owner is. If someone spent their money how they felt like spending it, then the owner of that money is his own self. But on the other hand, if we lived and used our money as God is the owner of it, how different would things be? We would ask him how he would like his money to be spent. Not just the owner of our money, but by asking God, we are confessing that God is the owner of our lives. If someone who served God as their owner became rich, then I would think that the responsibilities of that person would become greater. They would seek what God's will is for them. It tells us in the scripture of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God knows all of our needs and wants and has every desire to fulfill it for us. So isn't this why He tells us we must first seek His kingdom and righteousness? Blessing.
Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Love One Another, Part 2, based on 1 John chapter 3, verse 10-18. through 18. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Mark Martin. Verse 13. Do not marvel, brethren, read, if the world, what? Hates you. Okay, exactly what I'm saying, but I always do marvel. And whenever, whenever you say a do not be surprised or something like that in the Bible, you can understand the Holy Spirit had it put there because we are surprised. And he's just kind of coming alongside. He's the comforter, shoring us up. He's walking alongside us saying, now don't be surprised. I, what has happened? I can't believe this is happening. Now don't be surprised. We're in enemy territory. The enemy is not happy with this. He is not very happy with what is happening in your life with the Lord working in you. Don't be surprised. Don't marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death, verse 14. Now, this is not saying that the way you get saved is by loving the brethren. It is not saying we know we have passed out of life and the death because we love the brethren. It's not saying because we love the brethren, we're saved. It's saying we love the brethren and we can see that we have passed into eternal life because we love the brethren. See, when you haven't been saved yet, you don't have that love for brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the reasons why we come together and we fellowship with one another is because we love one another. Now, that's something that you cultivate in a larger church. It's something you do because of two reasons. Number one, you believe this is the will of God that I hang out with other Christians. Number two, it blesses your, you, it blesses me. Thirdly, we do it because it encourages each other. So there's like three reasons. I'm doing it out of obedience, I'm here. I'm here because it builds me up. I'm here because it builds you up too. We encourage one another. And so we got to get to know each other. In a large church, it's important for you to reach out. You know, if you would have friends, the proverb says, show yourself what? Friendly. Be friendly. It's easy to sit there and say, no one said hi to me. I've been there four times and not one person has reached out their hand to say hi to me. Well, maybe inform your face that you're a friendly person. It's a lot easier for somebody to go up to you if you've got a semi-pleasant face on. And that doesn't mean you have to walk around grinning all the time either. Um, I'm not into that. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Bottom line for Christians, we take care of each other. When we find out somebody has a need, we do whatever we can to take care of that need. Now, sometimes you can't yourself meet the need, but maybe you can network spiritually, right? That's cool. That's what the early church did. They just didn't know they were networking, okay? But they were networking. Somebody had a contact over here. Somebody had some land over here. They'd sell it for somebody over here. They'd give. They'd, they'd share. They'd provide. Yeah, there were some users. There were some people who abused the system. The Lord kind of thinned them out. But it went for the blessing and the maturing of the body. So as we find out needs, we want to try to bless one another and take care of each other. Moving on, verse uh, 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, the, the teaching of Jesus. John is saturated with the sayings of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, like James is as well. But you, you remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, if you hate, you've already committed what? Murder. You don't have to take out uh, a weapon and, and physically kill somebody. If you've felt hatred towards somebody, you've already murdered them. Jesus makes us very accountable because Jesus knows that, that actions proceed from the what? The heart. And so he's saying you've got to guard your heart. You've got to watch that carefully because out of anger and bitterness and hurt can proceed uh, and envy can, can proceed hatred. And he says watch it because then that can spill over and it goes way off the scale. And he says if you hate, you're already a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So if you're not loving your brethren, that doesn't mean like if you're having a difficult time. How do you forgive somebody, by the way? How do you forgive somebody? Because, you know, that's not an option for us. You can't say, well, you know, I can, I, can, I can do everything, but don't ask me to forgive her. Don't ask me to forgive him. Because that's the one thing. Okay then God's not going to forgive you. What do you mean? Uh, like the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, trespasses, sins, whatever they are, whatever you did. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, O oh, us who have transgressed against us, forgive me as. And the Lord says, as we forgive others, so we will be forgiven. So it's important that we forgive. You say, I'm not saved if I don't forgive? No, not saying that, but I'm saying one of the evidences of a child of God is that you forgive others. And see, a lot of us, we need to hear Jesus saying you will be forgiven as you forgive others. Otherwise, we wouldn't forgive. We would hang on to that, wouldn't we? Has anybody here been hurt by somebody? Oh, some of you have never been hurt by anybody. It does say something about lying here. <laughs> you just hurt me, you said. Okay, okay, so we've been hurt. How do we let go of the hurt? Well, we have to drop our charges against the people who have offended us and let Jesus, our defense attorney, take up the cause for us. Really, he's really good at it. And you just let it go. Because if we really believe the things I keep saying, if we really believe God loves us, God is in control and God has a plan for us, then even through these hurts, God is working. Amen? For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, these are things we have to build our lives with. These are building blocks of life, gang. Later on, after we've lived some, we may look back on years and be able to say what Joseph said to his brethren in, in uh, Genesis when they came to him. And ultimately, you know, he had gone through um, rejection and he'd gone through the dungeon and through slavery and and he finally was prime minister of Egypt and he was able then to say, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. Now, you live a while 
you begin to realize, okay, that's true. What was meant for evil against me, God meant for good. In many cases, you'll see that in life, but you won't see it in all cases in this life. I guarantee you, you will not complain when you get to heaven. I don't know exactly how the Lord, some people say, the Lord will show you everything. Well, we're not even told that in the Bible. But I guarantee you, there won't be any dissatisfaction in heaven. You will be satisfied. I will be satisfied when I wake with your likeness. We'll be satisfied with the Lord. We're not going to be going, oh, I just can't believe how hurt I was on earth. I can't believe what they did to me. I can't believe how unfair it was. I can't believe how they overlooked me. I can't believe. You know what? That's not going to be an issue. You're going to just be totally. So on earth, why don't we start be heavenly mind? So midweek here, as we listen, we can think, okay, these are the issues in front of me. Maybe it was something at work. Maybe it was something at home. Possibly it could even be an issue with somebody very close to you and you've become hurt. You have to lay it down, forgive them, say, I dropped my charges and that doesn't mean I'm saying what they did was okay. That's not forgiveness. That's lying. What they did wasn't okay. It hurts. But I'm dropping the charges. Jesus, you take up my cause. And you don't even have to pray, take them, Lord, take them down. You don't have to do it. Just, Lord, you take up my cause. And every time you sense that hate coming up, you just continue. Say, wait, I forgave them. Lord, I dropped my charges again. Because I've noticed that hurt heals kind of like your body heals. You ever cut yourself pretty bad or maybe got one of those cuts that is a, a paper cut on your finger? Oh, how annoying, right? I mean, it's not going to stop you from being able to work, right? You're going to, but, you know, every time you, you, you start perspiring a little bit, ow, it starts stinging. Or you, or you forget and you salt your carrot stick or whatever. It's, ah, you know. Every, you know, it's just, and it doesn't want to heal because it takes a long time. It doesn't heal from the top down, does it? Heals from the inside up. And our wounds, you know, sometimes they're just very painful. You know, it's not going to die. But if you let it get infected, because you don't let the Lord wash you, cleanse you from anger and hatred and bitterness, then, then you, you may end up with, you know, a little deal ends up being a great big deal in your life. We know, verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. So he has said in verse 14, we know we've passed out of death. Now we know by this that he's loved us. The purpose of John writing this letter, again, is to inform us, to give us a test almost by which we can look and we can have assurance. And he says, we know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. And now we know by this that he laid down his life for us, verse 16, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed. And in truth, 
Nobody's going to fool John. The apostle John says, look, Jesus showed his love by giving everything he had for us. And he says, he laid down his life for us. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, he just gave. And now he's saying, he's the model. He's trailblazed. Now you follow in his path. And so that there's no doubt in what he says. Because we could say, oh, okay, well, if that opportunity ever arises for me to maybe lay down my life for somebody, you know, maybe I have to jump in front of the bullet for someone. Well, maybe I'd do that. And then he says, well, let me make this really practical. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Whoever, verse 17, has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and then what? Bang! Can you, can you see the door going bang? It's... And there's your brother or your sister in Christ standing there and you can see they've got an empty bowl and you go, oh, you're hungry? And you slam the door in their face. Whoa. You see that they're cold? And you slam the door in their face. You see that they have a need and you don't help them meet that need. He says, how does the love of Christ, the love of God, abide in you? Now, we are, we are, brothers and sisters, a society that has the world's goods. We complain, I know. Oh, you know, it's such a bummer. I only have a 19-inch TV instead of a 90-inch TV. I don't have flat screen, plasma screen, surround sound. You know, it, I'm, it's a trial at our house. We only have cable. We don't have satellite. We only have Formica, you know, we're trying to get rid of that. You know, granite top is so expensive. I just can't believe it. it's such a trial. You know, the carpet in our house is just wearing out. We, you know, we just... Ugh. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We all need to get in the bus and we need to take a short-term mission trip. And we need to leave this land that has the world's goods. And we need to go to a third world country and we need to see, as some of you have seen, people who have dirt for floors. And we look at our carpet and we go, oh, people who don't even have running water, much less sinks, they have no refrigeration and no countertops to clean because they don't even have food. They don't have rice in their bowls. And we see people who aren't complaining about, I mean, you just realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, the Lord doesn't want us to feel guilty because he placed us where we are and we were born where we've been born. But the Lord does want us to keep our ears open to the needs of our brothers and sisters all around the world, as well as the needs within our own fellowship. And he wants us to be looking around and saying, if there's some place where I can help out, I want to help out. Now you need to be led by the Lord. Listen to me. Led by the Lord and led by his spirit and not motivated by guilt. I mean, what I just said could be this huge guilt trip, but I might have just saved a lot of you a whole lot of money too, right? I mean, some of the things we say we need, we don't. And if we were thinking more globally, 
we would realize, Lord, I am blessed. Instead of looking at a half-empty cup, we would say it's, man, it's almost full. So it's a matter of keeping our perspective and thanking the Lord, keeping a thankful heart and a a, a generous heart, but not doing it out of guilt. You don't want to be ever motivated by guilt. You don't want to be motivated because God doesn't do that to you. What God does is he shows you his love, he shows you his grace, and he goes, wow, now share what I've given to you. Share, spread it all around. And don't worry that you won't have enough because God will keep, if you give, the Lord will give unto you. As you share, the Lord will share more with you. As you give love, the Lord is gonna give more and more for you to pass out. He will make sure to take care of the supply. Now, this is not all about money. This is not all about your stuff. This is about keeping an open ear to the Spirit and listening to what He shares, keeping your eyes open to the needs of people around you. And then, as pastor, I get to say thank you for the way that you have supported God's work, for the way that you give to the Lord. I was walking around in, uh, today on the campus. I looked into our manna ministry where we have food for our, that, that we give people who uh, primarily within our fellowship that can't even buy groceries. And I was just looking at all that you've given. And they were saying the other day that the, the stock is down and, and if, if you can give more, give more. But I was in there, I was just looking at what we have and I was thinking, Wow. So many people have just given. As they were at the store, they thought, can of tuna for Jesus, you know, Cheerios for Jesus, diapers to give to the Lord's work. You know, all this stuff has been given to the Lord to give to other people with generous hearts. So I'm not talking about this because I've got any axe to grind. I'm happy with you. I know the Lord is too. But he wants us to excel still more. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much for the fellowship that we share with you. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you have, for some reason, outrageously poured out on us. Even our worst days, Lord, are not compared to what many people have suffered. And we thank you for your blessings. We just want to be really good stewards of what you give to us. And Lord, we also, we want you please to help us to be sensitive to your spirit, a people motivated by grace and not by guilt. Lord, hearing you, and when you say, why don't you do this, or you lead us into an an area where we can be of help, we'll be there, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us now. And as we, we pray together, as we share together, Lord, please pour out your blessings on us.
Gospel Ministries, we strive to connect our listeners to engage with a community of believers as one body under Christ. Since 2000, we have dedicated our lives to make disciples of all nations through radio broadcasting. We are always encouraged to hear from you, so if you have any comments or testimonies that you would like to share, please feel free to email us at askhsgm at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Heart and Soul Podcasts on iTunes for weekly sermons. To learn more, visit heartandsoul.org.
There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is the story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs. Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston with The Voice of the Martyrs. Those who have kept their faith, even upon death, the world was not worthy of them. As we discussed last week in our first episode, persecution and oppression are neither new nor a surprise for Christians because Jesus himself was crucified on the cross after suffering from persecution and oppression. We Christians cannot compromise with the world that crucified Jesus because we no longer belong to the earth. Why does the enemy persecute and oppress Christians? It is because our enemy wants us to give up our faith. In order to make Christians abandon their faith, the enemy continuously persecutes and oppresses Christians. I pray that we all stand strong in front of the enemy's temptations. Some people say that they would be willing to give up their lives for Christ, yet would not want to see their family members or beloved ones suffer. I bet most of us would sympathize with this statement. It would definitely be easier to give up my own life than to watch my parents, spouse, or precious children suffer from the persecution and oppression because of our faith. Can we still confess our faith for Christ even when we know that our confession could put beloved ones in danger? In today's episode of The Voice of the Martyrs, we will share the story of Sabina Wormbrand, who kept her faith in Romania. As World War II came to an end in 1945, several massacres of Christians occurred in Romania. Sabina Wormbrand's parents also lost their lives in the Nazi concentration camps. The history of oppression in Romania can be traced back to World War I. As the Austria-Hungary Empire collapsed, Romania expanded its territory as it merged with Transylvania, including the region where the German population used to live. In 1918, after the Bolshevik Revolution, also known as the Russian Revolution, Romania further annexed Bessarabia, a region with Romanian, Turkic, Bulgarian, Ukrainian, and Russian populations. In order to control numerous ethnic minorities, Romania began to enforce Romanian language and their culture in public schools. Churches and private schools of ethnic minorities were forfeited to the government or forced to close. Arrests and tortures of ethnic minorities became common. In 1944, the Soviet Union took over Romania and the extreme persecution of Christians began by the communist regime. Sabina Wormbrand originally born in the Austrian-Hungary Empire, was not excluded from this persecution. Richard! I reached out. I reached out my arm to pinch my husband's arm. Richard! Stand up and wash away the shame from the face of Christ. They are spitting on our Lord's face. Richard looked at me and warned, If I do so, you'll lose your husband. But I told him with stern eyes, 
I don't wish to have a coward as a husband. I'm not in a prison right now. My husband and I were attending the National Christian Gathering when the Communist Army flooded in. People were fearing for their lives. Pastors and bishops stood up one by one, yet the words that came out of their mouth was unbelievable. They were reciting the declaration for Stalin and the new communist regime, not for Christ. I could not hold my tears back watching them praise the communist regime that threw thousands of Christians into jail. My husband Richard was also a pastor, so his turn was coming. He would have to recite the declaration just like every other pastor there. I looked at Richard's face waiting for his turn, and I saw hesitation on his face. I told him that I do not want a coward as a husband. He seemed determined. He stood up and shouted to the crowd, Our first loyalty is not to communism, but to God. We must return to God. The gathering that Sabina Wormbrand and Richard attended was being broadcasted throughout Romania. Richard's bold statement was enough to encourage and influence Christians in the country. Richard's name was put on the wanted list, and he was eventually imprisoned for 14 years. Richard knew that his confession of faith would bring hardship to his wife. However, he was able to declare his faith because of the support of his wife's faith. He was victorious. The world was not worthy of them. In Matthew 10:28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Our enemy can never cut us off from the love of Christ as long as we decide to be with our Lord under any circumstance. God will never allow us to be cut off from His love. I wish that we all walk with God under any circumstance this week. Thank you for listening to the Voice of the Martyrs. God bless. He
Never blamed anyone for having wealth. Regardless of wealthy or poor, that is not what he rebukes. He rebukes the fact that we become a slave to money, and he also rebukes our heart for loving money. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. 
These are the passages of First Timothy chapter six, verse eight through ten. We must love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. That is what God asks of us. That is why, if we love our riches and money, we will not be able to serve two masters, and therefore will end up serving money. We can only become a slave for one master. They say loving money is a root of all kinds of evil. Loving money will eventually distance ourselves from our faith and from God, which will therefore lead us into temptation, misery, and pain. Calling God as our owner is also acknowledging that He is our owner. If that is the case, our responsibility as His slave is to live as He commands us. Let us think today. If we are seeking our owner's will and how he would like his riches and money to be spent through us, is money ruling our lives, and are we living as slaves to it? Who is my owner? Let us look upon our lives to examine who our owner is. I hope that we may serve no other master than our heavenly Father, and I hope that we may truly be able to confess Lord as our one and only master. As we will now wrap up unity in Christ. Thank you for listening. As it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time next week. And God bless. Empty hands held high. Such small sacrifice. If not joined with my life, I sing in vain tonight. May the words I say.
life song sing.